This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for joining us. Lots in the news when it comes to gasoline and petroleum news. And when that happens, there's only one person we really reach out to, and that's Patrick DeHaan. He is the gas buddy guy. If you're wondering where you can find the best gas prices wherever you live, make sure you have the app for gasbuddy.com. Patrick, how are you? Good, good, Tony. Good to be with you again. Good. My Chicago guy and fellow lover of bourbon. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, let's start with Michigan here. How are we with gas prices and where do you see them going in the next week or two? Well, Tony, things continue to look pretty good. Average gas prices are declining in Michigan. It was a year ago that the BP Whiting refinery had a late summer fire that caused gas prices a year ago to surge back over the $4 gallon mark. Hopefully not a repeat this year, but for now, gas prices down another $0.07 cents a gallon. The Michigan State average now three fifty nine dollars a gallon. Mm-hmm. Tony, that's $0.20 cents below the national average. Michigan's not used to seeing prices so much lower than the national average, so I guess we'll take it. Some stations across Michigan all the way down to three eighteen and three nineteen a gallon, so not too shabby. I was recently traveling. I was in Ohio and West Virginia, and the gas prices down there were in the 240s and 250s. So I guess it just depends where you are. The prices can fluctuate. You know, boy, 240. I checked this morning, and the cheapest gas price in the country was 280. So I don't know if that was a price war that went rampant, but, mm-hmm. you know, very few of the nation stations are below that $3 threshold. So if you see it fill up, I think some of the cheapest prices right now in Georgia, 288. There's not a whole lot of sub $3 prices out there, but the good news is, especially here on the Great Lakes, we're bound to see more of those prices. Now, maybe not so much in Michigan. We have a 60 cents to go before we get the average down below $3, but The good news is things are shaping up for a pretty good fall. Knock on wood, prices should continue declining through October. And I guess we shouldn't whine here in Michigan about prices because where you are in Illinois and what they're paying out in California is quite a bit more, isn't it? I sure is, Tony, here. My local station did just go down 20 cents, but I'm sitting pretty, not so pretty, at 409 a gallon. And Tony, boy, good thing you're not out west because, boy... I mean, even above Illinois, they're $2 a gallon above my local station. A lot of those stations in LA now at 609. And Tony, with refinery issues happening out there or continuing to happen, they could eventually hit record prices before this is all said and done. Tell us about those refinery challenges, Patrick. You know, we often talk about refineries this, refineries that, Tony. We have all the crude oil in the world, but without refineries online and processing that crude oil, we wouldn't have gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Southern California has been beset with so many refinery issues that stem back to the hurricane or the tropical system that hit Southern California a month ago. And then the earthquake followed up and shook inventory and caused power outages. They've been scrambling to get back online. In addition, maintenance is now happening at some other refineries in Southern California. I count no less than four refineries, Tony, in California that are down right now. That's of the 13 refineries in California. So that's a pretty big slice. And that's why wholesale gas prices in much of the West Coast, especially in Southern California, have just surged off the charts. Patrick, have we transitioned into the winter blend yet? That transition is probably mostly done. Retail stations right now probably selling pretty much a full 100% winter gasoline. But if you're filling up at a station, maybe in northern Michigan, where it's not 
selling as much gasoline. You still may be on a summer blend, but most of the stations have made that transition over to winter gasoline. I follow Patrick on X, which is formerly Twitter. And he is defined as the price guy for oil and refined products and analysts, which includes gasoline. He is the gas price myth buster. And there's just been a lot of topics that you've been talking about, Patrick. What's the hottest misconception out there right now? You know, always, Tony, always politics brought in. If it's not, you know, Biden canceling leases on the other side, it's the oil companies are price gouging. So, It's basically what politicians on both sides of the aisle are feeding their base. And, you know, there's not often truth completely on one side. It's somewhere in the middle. And so, you know, whether it's Biden canceling leases and Americans kind of over-exaggerating or believing that that has more of an impact than it does to, like I said, oil companies that have been very profitable because of Russia's war in Ukraine and because of Saudi Arabia and Russia cutting production, There's a whole lot of misinformation. In fact, there's probably way more misinformation, Tony, than there is fact on these matters. And that's why it's really easy to get tangled up in that web. And Patrick, a little while ago, you tweeted out that Oregon and Washington appear to be getting dragged into California's refinery mess. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about that, if you will. Yeah, Tony, well, we mentioned the epicenter of price increases have been for refineries in Southern California. What happens when prices skyrocket, though, then in an area like Southern California? By the way, Northern California is a different market than Southern. And then Oregon and Washington are what we call Pacific Northwest. So we have three different markets here. And what usually happens, Tony, when one market, in this case, Southern California, sees gas prices skyrocket, is refineries in Northern California and the Pacific Northwest say, hmm, would we rather send gasoline to a more expensive market or would we rather send that gasoline to these markets? And so that's what refineries do. Just kind of like, Tony, if you sold a house, would you rather get a San Francisco price for your home or would you rather get you know Mississippi or Alabama price? So refineries send a lot of gasoline down to Southern California, which unfortunately then introduces supply challenges in those other areas. I wonder if that storm that they're experiencing in the Northwest will affect Oregon and California in that way. Well, there's certainly, you know, some risk there in the market, you know, maybe pricing some of that risk in, as you mentioned, if there's a potential for refinery outage, whether that's in the Gulf of Mexico associated with a hurricane, or if it's this, you know, floodwaters or tremendous rainstorm that's going to happen, the market has to price in what they believe is going to happen. Patrick is the petroleum myth buster. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about who sets the price for oil, how that price gets set. We'll do that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Workplace keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. Visit us online at dbis.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan from Gas Buddy. 
And Patrick, something that you and I, we talk about a lot, but a talking point when it comes to gas prices always isn't the truth when it comes to the oil companies are gouging us. Talk a little bit about that because you tweeted about that a couple hours ago. Yeah, Yeah, Tony, for all these price gouging laws for, you know, the politicians that throw this kind of language around it insinuates that oil companies are price gouging, that there's nefarious intent. But Tony, also to the same point, very rarely are you ever have you ever seen a major oil company guilty of price gouging? You've seen individual stations convicted of price gouging, but by and large, Tony, high prices don't necessarily mean it's price gouging. It's certainly frustrating. But like I said, you know, the market is what determines prices. Oil companies sell into the market. Sometimes they make billions of dollars in profit. Sometimes they lose billions of dollars. But again, they don't set prices. They're at the whims of the global balance of supply and demand. Let's talk a little bit about the global supply and demand. It appears that the production has been cut back over in the Middle East. And where do we stand with that? And where is Russia and Venezuela when it comes to production? Well, Tony, earlier this year, oil prices were you know, at about $65 or $70 a barrel. And President Biden started refilling the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We've gained about 6 million barrels. But after that started... Saudi Arabia and then Russia decided to get together and talk to collude to push oil prices up. And the only way that they can really do that is because they're major oil producers, Tony. So if they start limiting how much oil they're producing, the oil market gets tighter, just akin to the housing market. If there's not enough homes in the market, that pushes the value of homes up. And so Saudi Arabia and Russia have been colluding for the last several months to deliberately supply less than demand. And so that's pushed the price of oil up from $65 a barrel earlier this summer. We currently stand at $90 a barrel. And so that is a big role. And now OPEC, keep in mind, had agreed to start cutting production itself in 2024. So there's a lot of tightness right now in the market. Demand is likely eclipsing supply, and that's driven the price of oil up to $90 a barrel. So, Patrick, did I hear you correctly? Did you say that the president has directed the government to start refilling those strategic funds, supplies Uh, rather? Yeah, indeed. The Department of Energy, after it changed how it buys crude oil, Tony, used to buy it in a way that it would pay the market price. But the Department of Energy shifted that. Instead of paying the market price, they wanted to pay a price that they set which can often be different by the time those deliveries get made. Now, that system did get ironed out. That's why the government took a little bit longer to start refilling it, because they had to figure out that process. It is government. It works at a snail's pace. But indeed, the strategic reserve fell to about 345 million barrels, Tony, early this summer. With those first purchases done, with those contracts signed, the SPR has risen again to about 351 million barrels It will probably rise for a few more weeks before eventually it's going to stop. And the reason for that is the Department of Energy, when the price of oil started jumping to $80, the Department of Energy said, we're going to pause these because the price of oil has gone too high. But the reserve is going up because of some of those contracts were signed in the summer and those deliveries are ongoing into the fall. And that's kind of newsy, Patrick. I haven't heard much about that. Not only that it was occurring, but there are plans to replenish it to 100%. Can you tell us anything else about that? 
Well, the Biden administration had said as long as oil prices remain between about $65 to $75 a barrel, their intention was to fill it up. Now, unfortunately, after they came out with their intention and as they shifted how they bought that crude oil, that's when the Saudis and Russians said, all right, enough of low oil prices. They decided to cut production in what was a surprise move, and that's caused the price of oil to go out of that range. So the SPR is, again, not going to be refilled because oil prices are too high. The Biden administration doesn't feel like it's a good value now where the price of oil is. And so they're going to wait for the price of oil to go back down. But yes, indeed, Tony, the strategic reserve is trending higher. That is being refilled. I would point out that it's being refilled at a very slow rate. A lot of that having to do with the complexity of how those contracts are signed and how the Department of Energy buys oil and how long it takes that oil to be delivered. When we come back, I want to talk more, Patrick, about the gasoline markets here in the U.S. We'll do that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for listening to the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan from Gas Buddy. And Patrick, I want to talk a little bit more about California. It really seems like they're in the news in so many aspects when it comes to petroleum and gasoline. Is that kind of the epicenter when it comes to petroleum products and gasoline? Well, California is always on the top of the list for the priciest gasoline. We all see the social media posts about how gasoline at some stations in Beverly Hills is 7 or even $8 a gallon, although that's quite a bit above average. But California is the king when it comes to gas prices. They are cut off from much of the rest of the country. They have high taxes. They have a cap and trade program that boosts prices. They have their own special blend of gasoline. They have their own board, not the EPA, but CARB, to tell them, when they have to use that gasoline. So there's a lot of complexities there. Yeah. And you also <laughs> talked a little bit about how California, they kind of stubbornly refuse to admit that they're a major part of the problems that they have. As we talked a little bit about earlier, blaming economics and greed and the oil companies. Yeah, that's right. California has taken a attack approach when it comes to high prices, only focusing on oil companies and refineries, targeting them. When a lot of the problems, Tony, are that you look at California and how much more expensive it is compared to everyone else, currently politicians don't believe it's a California policy issue. And that's really a lot of what it is between all these special programs that add costs to the high taxes, to the special blends, to the special dates that those blends are required, Tony, all of that is special. And when you're special in so many different areas that no refiners or very few refiners can produce that blend of gasoline you require, your prices are going to be much higher. Just like building codes and building a home with a lot of codes and a lot of requirements is going to lead to higher costs. Patrick, you recently talked about how the French government is trying to manipulate economics. Talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, that's right. The French president Macron came out asking or pushing oil companies to sell their products, not at the market price, but at the cost. Now, that can be inherently dangerous, Tony, for the simple reason that it upends economics. It can lead to more consumption, which instead of high prices could induce shortages because oil companies will not have the incentive to produce as much if they're selling at cost. And so inherently, politicians are playing with fire when they ask oil companies to ignore economics. Patrick, what do oil companies think? How do they respond if they do respond? And you know, what do you think they think about this UAW strike, which has really hit multiple automobile manufacturing companies? Well, I think what they think is that politicians should you know, stick their nose in an economics book and read up the inherent downsides to this. Politicians often don't see through to the end of the tunnel and what the damage is. I mean, California politicians haven't even seen the potential damage from their policies. So politicians are notoriously short-sighted when it comes to the UAW and, you know, what we're dealing with here. You know, the strike's certainly significant, but not likely to alter, you know, anything really when it comes to oil markets or gasoline values. You know, Patrick, the Biden administration gets hammered on a multitude of issues, especially when it comes to petroleum, petroleum products, gasoline and whatnot. But it appears that people like me and the media were not doing a good enough job of informing our audiences about current news. I know that you're all over Like, for instance, how we are trying to replenish our reserves. Well, you know, I think there's an inherent challenge that the media has to play on the news, but maybe only the news that is the most important to their base. And a lot of people cared about the SPR declining, but a lot of Americans don't really care to stay on top of it. And that's where somebody like an analyst who looks at these numbers might be able to say, hey, this is interesting. But the media is not always looking at what's interesting for analysts, but it's looking at what's interest for your you know, readers, listeners, et cetera. So as we get into winter and start thinking about spring already, where do you think our production is going to be here in the States? And where do you think OPEC is going to go? Well, I think OPEC has been very clear that it's going to cut production, Tony. And I do think that higher oil prices will eventually incentivize more U.S. oil production. In fact, U.S. oil production is close now to record-setting levels. But Tony, if Saudi Arabia and Russia continue this tight balance with maintaining or cutting production, I think 2024 could be fraught with some pain at the pump, especially in the spring when we make the change back to those more expensive blends, especially considering that refining capacity hasn't really improved a whole lot in the last couple of years since COVID. 2024, I hate to be a pessimist, but it's not maybe looking to be great unless OPEC reverses course. And there's a lot of political undertones here between why OPEC is doing this and why the Saudis and Russians are doing this, but it could be a painful 2024. As an analyst, Patrick, I'm interested in your perspective on how much politics plays into this. I wondered if we had a good working relationship with the Saudis, if our relationship with Russia was a little better, would we see more production, which would create lower prices? Well, I think certainly in normal times when Russia is not fighting a you know potentially illegitimate war in Ukraine, I think certainly then our business relationship with them would be much more settled and much more predictable in which we'd not have sanctions on Russia. I think a lot can be said that there's not a lot of normal happening right now between Russia's war in Ukraine. We are still navigating the after effects of COVID, but that is slowly normalizing as well. 
But you also have an administration that has been openly hostile against fossil fuel production and been transitioning the nation away from fossil fuels to EVs. And that certainly undermines investors' faith in the sector. And that then means less investment. And inherently, that also means that higher energy prices, because investments that are needed are not happening as much. For the latest and greatest in petroleum news, gasoline news, make sure you follow Patrick DeHaan at Gas Buddy Guy on X. He'll keep you up with what's going on. Patrick, as always, sir, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. My pleasure, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. We'll see you next time. 